بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹویلتھ آف جنوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور اینڈ that he blesses us in our months of Rajab and Sha'aban and conveys safely to the holy month of Ramadan. Amen. And being the month of the blessed Isra and Mihraj, one of the things that our beloved messenger taught us وسلم, is that when a person dies, his soul also goes, i.e., to Beit al-Maqdis. I.e. the soul travels there and from Beit al-Maqdis it ascends into the heavens. So every one of us will have that journey. Our beloved messenger had it in his lifetime. I.e. he went on the Isra and the Mihraj. So I thought it would be appropriate to discuss a very important question. And that is what happens exactly after an individual passes away. So with everything, there's no guesswork. So if a person asks, as a Muslim, what is your belief? What happens when a person dies? What happens immediately thereafter? So inshallah, for the next few nights, we'll be discussing this important uh, subject. So the first thing to point out, There's a hadith, and the hadith is in Nasai Abu Dawood, and Shaykh Al-Bani authenticates it in Sahih Sunan Abi Dawood, number 1388 to 9. And our beloved messenger, he made a dua, and he asked for protection from many things. But one of the things he sought protection from was the following. وَأَعُوذِ بِكَ أَنْ يَتَخَبَّطَنِي يَشْشَيْطَانُ عِنْدَ الْمَوْثِ I seek your protection against shaitan's confounding touch at the time of death. I seek your subhanahu wa ta'ala protection against shaitan's confounding touch at the time of death. So this is one of the things he supplicated for protection. So what was he referring to there? Oh my Lord, protect me from shaitan's confusing touch at the time of death. And the scholars point out that at the moment of death, just prior to death, shaitan attacks severely because this is his last chance. So at that time, you either make or break, i.e. your eternal life. Everything that you're doing in your lifetime is geared towards that moment. Both shaitan's waiting. So Rasulullah made that dua, indicating it's a reality. Because some people deny this. Because what's this about shaitan attacking at the time of death? Where is that? These are all just stories. And the response is, there's an authentic dua of the Prophet. So if there's nothing happening, why is he made that dua? So let's look at this. The agonies of death. 
so there's a very interesting report. So this hadith is in Ahmad in his Zuhd, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih in As-Sahihah, number 2926. Sayyidina Jabr, he relates, our beloved messenger had said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you may freely relate things from the Bani Israel because amazing events occurred to them. So stop in the report. So the Prophet gave us a license. He goes, there is no harm if you relate from the Bani Israel. In other words, you can relate from them. And he gave you the wisdom because amazing things happened to them. Then he related. He gave an example. A few righteous men from the Bani Israel once passed by one of their graveyards and they said to each other, let us offer two rakats and then beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise for us a man from amongst the dead so we can ask him about death. <laughs> Stop in the report. So this is from directly from the Prophet. So there's a few men, we don't know how many they were, maybe two, three, Allah wa'ala. And they were pious, the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And look what they said. This shows how close they were to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which Muslim on the surface of the earth would say this? Let's offer two rakats and then beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise a dead so we can talk to him about death. Be honest. Imagine you go into the grave and brother goes, let's just pull outside the grave, brother. Because why? He goes, let's just offer two rakats. He goes, what for? And he goes, so that Allah ta'ala causes a dead to rise from the grave. He probably burst out laughing and stuff for Allah. Why? Because you're thinking, who, who do you think you are, brother? And yeah, these were prophets. So what happened? They did that. They made a dua after the two rakats. And after a short while, subhanallah, a brown-skinned man with the trace of sujood between his eyes raised his head from the grave. And he said, Ya ha'ula ma aradtum ilay laqad laqibtum minni amran azima." Oh, you who are present, what do you want from me? You have indeed something, you have done something grave to me. So imagine, they just offered the two rakas, they made a dua. A man's head emerges. So you get this impression that he sat up and his head emerges. Allah knows how, it's a miracle. A karamat. And the head is speaking. And look how the, the head's described. It goes, it's a brown skin man, meaning he's not a skeleton. He's still actually got some facial features. He's got a trace of sujood, meaning he must have been a worshipper. And look what he says. Ya ha'ula, meaning, oh you, in other words, what have you done? Ma aradtum ilay, what do you want from me? Laqad laqibtum minni amlan azima. You have done something immense to me. So he wasn't, he wasn't happy. The man replied, we begged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring out to us a man from those in the graves so as to tell us about the taste of death. Now be honest, put yourself in the same shoe. You leggy, what's this? How strong these 
believers were. They're talking like it's a normal conversation. He goes, no, no, we, we did two rakats and we made dua and uh, who better to ask than the dead. And we want you to tell us about the taste of death. So look how beautiful that is. Everybody ask that question. I wonder what happened. What? We don't need to, we don't, we, there's no guesswork. He answered the dead and he had a grim voice, meaning he was hurt. I died 100 years ago and the taste or the heat of death has not subsided from me until just now. But now you requested Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to raise me from death once again after the taste has just subsided. You must now supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me that he restores me as I was, i.e. without having to taste the agonies of death again. They just supplicated and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restored him, i.e. to death. Subhanallah. So what was the question? What, how is death? Tell us about death. The first shocking statement he made a hundred years ago. Now after a hundred years, you're supposed to decay. There's nothing left of you. What did they say? Eight years or ten years, if I can remember, the body completely decays. This man had not decayed, meaning he was righteous. But he, though he was righteous, he goes, look at the amazing coincidence. Not really a coincidence. He's still feeling the pinch of death. But slowly the pain's being reduced and he's just finished with it. As soon as the pain has gone, he's resurrected. <laughs> so he then says, he goes, oh my God. He goes, look, you got to make another dua. And please ask Allah Ta'ala that he restores me. I don't want to go through that again. They made a dua. Allah Ta'ala restored him. I, to his... Uh, pre uh, previous state. Mm -hmm. So what do we learn from this Sayyid Hadith? We learn that the agonies of death are something beyond comprehension. You know, think about the accidents you've had in your life. You know, some might have had a serious accident, but if you ask a person, can you still feel the pain? It's just a silly question. What do you mean, can I still feel the pain? You're talking about mental, no, no, physical. Because well, the accident was 25 years ago. Why would I still feel the pain? <laughs> Response is, it's not death. 100 years. You can't even use the argument, he was a sinful person. <laughs> Normally you think, oh, this was a person who was very weak, so Allah, Allah you know, just deserves. Where does it say he was a sinful person? In fact, you get the indication he was pious. <laughs> and Allah, Allah wanted the living. Now look how beautiful it was. These righteous men wanted that knowledge for themselves. But Allah the Almighty and Glorious gave that knowledge to all of us through the lips of Rasulullah. What did he say at the beginning of the hadith? It goes, relayed from the Bani Israel. Amazing things happened to them. Then he gave you an example. Isn't this an amazing thing? Now, if it wasn't from the Prophet, would you accept this? I think this is just a story. Maybe it's like a moral and how can that happen? Then you think, okay, it's from the Prophet. Is it authentic? Maybe it's a weak report. Sayyid Hadith. So there's no way you can, you know, get around this report. So 
What does that tell you? The agonies of death are incredible. This is why there's actually a report. I can't remember the reference. But the report says that every organ in the body feels death. So one of the scholars, he gave an analogy. He says some people lose their limbs. So you get people in the steelworks, like my cousin, he's lost a finger, a huge weight, you know, he crushed his finger. And then I asked him, what happened? And he goes, I was just looking and my finger's no longer there. But obviously Allah blesses the humans with a gift, I don't know what it called, is is uh, adrenaline. And basically, you don't feel the pain. So Allah has given you a safety net to go and get some help. And he goes, I was running. You know, they goes, quickly go to the, you know, the nurse. He goes, as I was going, a jet of blood just shot out of my finger. And he goes, I fainted. <laughs> so for a few minutes, he was all right. And then he says, the pain was excruciating. <laughs> the sheikh said that when you lose a limb, that is death of that limb. So I was thinking that my cousin, when he was describing his finger, so imagine if he had lost a second finger, how much pain now? Third finger, a hand, an arm, a leg. Death is the entire body being cut. So you can you know, partially gauge from this how severe the agony is. So note the Prophet said, this is the agonies of death. Therefore, what is one of the most important du'as we need to make? O our Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, we seek refuge in you from the agonies of death. Look how strange that statement is. People even find these du'as strange. Why are you making that du'a for you? You just die and you die. He doesn't realize that the agonies are incredible. And don't forget, shaitan's attacking you. That's why I mentioned the first report. So if you're going through that pain, are you in your right senses? Shaitan's, you know, trying to confuse you. Trinity, Trinity. Next minute you might blur some out. And you die in Trinity. <laughs> so combine the attack of shaitan and the agonies of death. And this is the how people go straight to the hadith. This hadith. And, and look how tragic. You've gone to this hadith without preparing for this hadith. Which hadith? <laughs> Sayyidina Mu'ad radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Man kana akhiru qalami la ilaha illallah he whose last words are La ilaha illallah will enter paradise. This is in Abu Dawood Hakim, Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih in Hidayatul Riwa, number 1564. How many of you heard the hadith? Everybody's heard it. Brother, didn't the Prophet say that whoever's last words are La ilaha illallah goes to Yes, he did say that. And then you see the guy with the big smile on his face, and then you go, have you understood that report? Mm-hmm. Well, straightforward, brother. Last words. Then you say, so do you think it's a formality for you to say, La ilaha illallah, when you die? Do you think this is an easy thing? And he gives you that kind of glazed look. He goes, yeah, it should be straightforward. And then you say, two problems. One is you're going through the agonies of death. And he doesn't get it. So you have to explain. Then you say, if that wasn't enough, shaitan's having a go at you. Full white. You're going to get confused. You're in pain. You're confused. What's going to come out of your mouth? So that's why 
you make dua ya Allah help me at that time help me to say you know there's a report Imam Kurtub records it in his Tadkhira and Imam Ahmad was dying Rahmatullah Ali and his son who was called Abdullah Abdullah ibn Ahmad Rahmatullah Ali he's telling his father La ilaha illallah say La ilaha illallah so Imam Ahmad he's in pain he's going in and out of consciousness and he goes no no so the son to Astaghfirullah he goes my father said no to La ilaha illallah so he's really you know upset the father manages to get his bearings and the son goes father he goes I said La ilaha illallah you said no and Imam Ahmad said I wasn't talking to you it's talking to shaitan shaitan was telling me become a Jew or Christian so look how amazing shaitan not only was trying to confuse Imam Ahmad he was confusing the living he thought he was saying no to La ilaha illallah are we like Imam Ahmad's dust? <laughs> Think about it. He's making, I'm, I'm alright, I'm solid, right? <laughs> You're solid, Shaitan's gonna, you know. You Think about it. There's a statement. So the response there is, you have to make dua. All of what we're doing is preparing for that moment. Even sinful believers who may be punished in hell for their sins will eventually enter paradise. Now, this is very important. Even if you say La ilaha illallah before you die, that is not an automatic pass to paradise. You might still get punished. It means you will eventually enter paradise. Where is that mentioned? In Ibn Hiban, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi states Hassan in Irwa ul-Ghalil number 687. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, he that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa anyone whose last words at the time of death are La ilaha illallah will enter paradise one day. وَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ مَا أَصَابَ Regardless of what happens to him prior to that. This is the meaning. The Prophet gave the meaning in this authentic hadith. He goes, you will go to paradise if you say La ilaha illallah. But Something will happen to you before that. <laughs> Somebody goes, what's that then? You might get punished. <laughs> so another, you know, look how amazing. You've got a single hadith. Everybody knows that hadith. And how many actually understand that hadith? The last words, you will enter paradise. What does it mean, brother? It doesn't mean you're going straight to paradise. Inshallah, hopefully it does mean that. But it's not for everybody. A lot of Muslims end up in hell. You know, famous mutawatir hadith. The Prophet does intercession, takes them out. Allah Ta'ala takes them out. I thought they must have said, La ilaha illallah, because they're Muslims. What are they doing in hell? The Prophet told you, it will save you eventually. Our beloved messenger described this awesome declaration on another occasion. I know a statement that no person says at the time of death, but his complexion shines by it. Allah Ta'ala removes his distress. It provides his soul with security. As it departs from the body, it will be a light in his record on the day of resurrection. It is La ilaha illallah. Subhanallah. This is an Ahmad Hakimiri ibn Hiban and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated authentic in his Ahkam al-Jana'is, page 49. 
So look at the very interesting description the Prophet gave, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you have the tawfiq, insha'Allah, to say La ilaha illallah at the time of death, your face shines. And isn't that true? Mm-hmm. You see people, because they, they, why is their face shining? Mm-hmm. That's a sign, that's a sign of goodness. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Allah Ta'ala removes their distress. And what's interesting? A person may be very ill before his death. Soon as he dies, he goes back into health. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, Rahmatullah, when he, when, just before he died, his daughter, she was saying that he was still, you know, suffering from the Parkinson's. And then he goes, as soon as he took his last breath, he goes, he went back to his normal state. <laughs> daughter said that. Because he looked like he was back to normal. <laughs> what did the Prophet say? La ilaha illallah removes distress. They don't die in agony. Right? They die. The pain is gone in terms of world. It provides his soul with security when it departs the body. It reassures the soul. It will be a light for him on his record on the day of judgment. Look how beautiful the key to paradise. But not everybody can say it. How many reports? One person was dying and what did he say? Checkmate. And they said, why did he say that? They made investigations. He used to play chess. So they were telling him to say, La ilaha illallah, he goes, checkmate. And look how ironic, checkmate means the king is dead. Isn't that kufr? Right? So he died. Another person, his last words were, two for one, two for one. They made investigations. He was dealing in usury. Even though people were telling him, say, La ilaha illallah. Another person told to say the shahada and he goes, forget that, put music on. <laughs> right? His music, and he died listening to music. He was in pain otherwise. So on these Muslims, so we're going to die. Do we even know what's waiting? You know, think about that. We should at least hang on a minute. I didn't even know this is going to happen. Shaitan's going to attack. Nobody mentioned that to me. Then what's the pain of death? A hundred years. That's more than a lifetime. So imagine you might live 70 years and the pain of death is longer than your entire lifetime. And he's still in the grave. That, you know, that brother, that brother in it. Imagine how many years has passed. He's still in the grave. So with this in place, we can now talk about the subject at hand. The exit and journey of the soul upon death. What happens to the soul? What the body will mention. I'll mention it briefly as I go through. But what happens to the soul as soon as a person dies? Firstly, the soul becomes so attached to the body that it now hates to part with it at the time of death. It has a like a you know a insatiable attachment. It, it doesn't want to leave the body. This is manifested outwardly by the hardship people face. Going back to the report. But where's the proof? In Bazaar, Bukhali's Al-Adab al-Mufrad, and Shaykh al-Bani, Rahmatullah, authenticates it in As-Sahihah, number 2013. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the human soul, Ukhruji, depart. The soul replies, La ukhrujo illa wa antakariha. I will not depart except reluctantly. 
He subhanahu wa ta'ala commands, Ukhruji wa inkarihd, depart even if you are reluctant. What an amazing report, authentic report in Bazaar. Who is asking the soul to depart? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is the angel of death? Angel of death is the instrument Allah ta'ala uses. But ultimately, everything's in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what does the soul say? Imagine, the soul speaks back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ukhruju illa wa ana karqariha. I will not depart except with, like, detest. I don't want to depart. If I'm going to depart, it's going to be with detestment. Allah Ta'ala says, depart even if you are reluctant. What does that tell you? The soul is now, has a, you know, there's a connection to the body. It doesn't want to leave. The soul is connected. So now, that's authentic. There's another report. This hadith is weak. When Allah Ta'ala created the body, Allah Ta'ala told the soul, enter it. <laughs> and the report says, the soul looked at the body and he's thinking. You know, like we get claustrophobic. Go and stand in that cupboard. I think, well, I've got a minute. <laughs> so the soul is basically looking around. He's saying, yeah, Allah, I guess you want me to enter this. <laughs> then Allah Ta'ala says, enter it. <laughs> and he's reluctant. Because, because the soul is so powerful. <laughs> travels from one heaven to the next heaven in the blink of an eye and you want to restrict it so then he says yeah Allah I don't, I don't want to enter so Allah Ta'ala says I give you my word if you enter you will love it you will then love it so much you will not want to leave so the soul then entered the body but what did Allah Ta'ala promise it and that is now what look how interesting that's a weak report but it's absolutely in line at the end of the story as they say the soul doesn't want to leave I don't want to leave now what's interesting why does the soul not want to leave Imam Ghazali went into it Imam Ghazali was asked about death and he said this, and I'm paraphrasing the soul does not want to leave the body it will only leave if the body cannot maintain it. Look at how ajeeb the description. So for instance, you know, let's make it practical. A guy loses both his legs. He's still alive. Because the soul can still function. It needs the body. But if the body is damaged to a limit where it can't function, the soul has to leave. And it leaves reluctantly. Look how beautiful that is. And look how he described death, Imam Ghazali. Because the soul doesn't want to leave. So imagine the doctor goes, look, we're going to have to take your leg off. And notice that's like a quarter of your body. You're still alive. The soul goes, I can still live. You take two legs off, half the body's gone. Still, you see some people haven't even got arms. He's still alive. The soul doesn't want to leave. But if you take the head off, the soul has no choice. And this is another way that we look at death. Look how beautiful that is. Imam Ghazali is explaining. Where does the soul leave the body? So it leaves the body. It doesn't start. It leaves the body from the throat. Where is that mentioned? In the Quran. In Surah Al-Qiyamah, Surah 75, verse 26 onwards, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, translation, Nay, when it, reaches the collarbone
it is said by his family, is there anyone who can save him? And he is certainly the time for departure is near and the leg is joined with another. Towards your Lord on that day is the drive. So look what Allah the Almighty and Glorious says. When it reaches the color, he tells you what's happening. The soul's leaving the body. It's got to the collarbone, meaning it's last moments of life. And look what Allah Ta'ala says. The people say, is there any recite or any doctor? <laughs> and he says, that's true. Doctor, come quick. Allah Ta'ala is quoting you. As if they say, what's he going to do? <laughs> and then you know what makes me laugh all the time? You shouldn't laugh, obviously. It's a serious moment. But he's, he's quite humorous. Doctor comes and he's... And when he dies, what happens? Chadran goes on him. He puts Chadran like this. And then you go, what's happened? He's passed away. Yeah. So why did you put Chadran on him? Because <laughs> even he says, not to do with me now. It's out of my jurisdiction now. <laughs> put Chadran on him. Like, Allah shows you have no power. Allah Ta'ala will bring that person to life immediately when he wants. And doctor does that one with 15 letters at the end of his name. Put Chadran on him. He goes, the doctor, and then Allah Ta'ala says, the leg joins to the other. He goes, now you are moving to your Lord. In another verse, in Surah Al-Waqiyah, Surah 56, verse 83 onwards, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, why, when it reaches the throat, you are at the time helplessly looking on. We are nearer to him than you, although you cannot see. Why, if you think you are not bound by our command, do you not bring the soul back to the body if you are truthful? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's challenging humans. Person dying. What does he say? He goes, you're looking on helpless. You know, look how helpless you are. You can't do anything. Allah ta'ala then says, we are nearer to him than you. Look how close the family are when a person's dying. Allah ta'ala is saying, there's somebody closer. Then Allah ta'ala says, if you think you have no say. You can do whatever you want. Bring back his soul. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala goes, show me. Show me your strength. <laughs> and can they do it even in 2024? <laughs> right? So Allah Ta'ala is telling you that the soul gets to the throat, the collarbone. This is why there's a very famous hadith. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to accept a person's repentance as long as he has not reached the gurgling stage, i.e. when the soul is leaving the body from the throat. Subhanallah. This is in Tirmidhi ibn Majah and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi authenticates it in Sahih al-Jamin number 1903. Look how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Rasulullah has said here in this Sahih Hadith, you can still repent even on your deathbed. <laughs> the point where Allah Ta'ala says now it's too late is when you ghar ghar, ghar you start gurgling. You know when a person is dying, you notice he, he starts choking. You know, he literally starts choking. You know, I don't even have to make the noise, you know. <laughs> that noise starts happening. That's it. Now you can't do Tawbah. So look how interesting. The soul, which I'll mention inshallah in the next session inshallah, it leaves from the feet first. Your soul's left your feet, never to return. You can still do Tawbah. Allahu Akbar. 
even though part of your body is died, the soul leaves half your body, never to return, until the you know whenever Allah Taala wishes, you can still do toba. How merciful is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? When it gets to the chest, you can still do it. It's when the gharghar starts. Allah Taala goes, now it's too late. How many people have done toba at that time? And that shows that he's the most merciful. Think about it. If it was anybody else, sorry, man, you left it on deathbed. You think it's a joke? Allah Taala is so merciful because I still accept it. That's why when a person's on his deathbed, don't let him lose hope. The people sometimes, oh, you don't be like this, that. Right? Then you go, but do toba. He goes, toba. Is Allah Taala going to accept it now? Right? He goes, well, I wouldn't accept it, but I'm not Allah so bad. Do the toba. Do anybody tell him to do toba? Or did they just say, oh, it's all over, it's a closed book. <laughs> closed book, get him to do Toba. Allah Ta'ala will accept it. And also, just to add this to finish, Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thalbi, Rahmatullahi Quran, he said, if you are given the news of a terminal illness, can you still do Toba? Very good question. So, you know, you get some bad news, doctor gives you that phone call, you have to come into that surgery, think, oh my God. You go to the surgery or go to hospital and he goes, look, you got stage four cancer and if it's only a matter of weeks, maximum. There's no cure. You're going to die. Somebody goes, can he do Toba? Mawlana Ashraf Ali Thami said, yes. Subhanallah. Now look how amazing that is. You think, come on, he's dying. He knows he's going to die. Still do it. He goes, they look at this report. He goes, he's still breathing. Even though you're thinking this is a proper fake toba, it's not a fake toba. It's, a, it's valid according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note again, Allah Ta'ala's mercy is countering shaitan's attack. Shaitan's going flat out to you know destroy you. Allah Ta'ala says, My mercy is greater. Try what you want. So note again, this is happening at the moment of death, but people are you know discussing this subject. And we'll inshallah we'll steadily go through you know the reports of what happens thereafter. So all I mentioned today was basically hopefully trying to answer the question what actually happens at the moment of death and thereafter. And note, there's nothing left unsaid. Everything is detailed. We've got, we've been given the answers. But people ask because they're ignorant. You know, so one of them. Are there any questions? Let us.